Right now, we're in the African savannah on a beautiful, sunny summer morning, where we're witnessing a young Amazon PPC campaign in its natural habitat. This juvenile campaign is just two weeks old, newly birthed from Seller Central. You can tell this campaign has so much natural instinct with its fresh new auto-targeting ad groups. Watch closely. You can see already it's learning how to stand and grow, reporting on clicks, conversions, and ACOS. While it seems like this young campaign is healthy and strong, in its youth, it's extremely vulnerable and unprotected from lurking predators. Michael, look! On the horizon, a herd of fierce, irrelevant search queries are approaching. Ah, yes, Stephen. While these queries are dangerous, they don't attack like a lion or a jaguar. Instead, they are parasitic, slowly debilitating an Amazon campaign by draining its ad spend budget to death with low conversion rates. This poor young campaign, defenseless and completely unaware of the encroaching danger. Oh no! The predators have descended upon the campaign! And look! Here comes, galloping in the distance, a search term with 75 clicks and no conversions. This is surely the end of this young campaign. Ah! What's this? Suddenly appearing out of the brush! It's a fully grown ad badger charging in! He's coming to save the campaign! And completely upgrading the campaign with new bid optimizations. Michael! The ad badger is completely pulverizing the vicious, unprofitable search terms. The ad badger has proven himself victorious once again, and he will go on to fight and defend more Amazon campaigns here in the savannah for many years to come. What's going on, Badger Nation? It's Mike and Steven from Ad Badger, and you are listening to the AMZ PPC Den Podcast, the world's first Amazon PPC advertising podcast and your source for all the tips, tricks, and optimization strategies you need to get the most from your Amazon ads. And you guys can find all of our episodes, show notes, and links at adbadger.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, everybody out there in Badger Nation? Uh, as Long-term listeners of the show know uh, we very rarely have guests on the show. Uh, I think maybe we've only had three or four guests on the show. Uh, So this is a special episode. I'm really delighted to share with you a topic that I know uh, will be really useful to our audience. Uh, It's someone that I've gotten to know over the last few weeks, and I think he's a pretty darn good stand-up gentleman. Uh, So I'm excited to introduce you to Kevin from Maximizing E-Commerce, the podcast. Kevin, how are you doing today? Michael, thank you so much for having me. I'm super honored to be here. This is a lot of fun. It's been great getting to know you. Um, You're very giving with the information that you give out there and very helpful. And so, you know, my goal here is just to do the same. Yes. Awesome. Uh, And I know that our audience will really enjoy that. So thank you for that. Um, And the topic that we're going to be talking about is this beautiful word, internationalization of your PPC campaigns. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that makes so much sense, especially with, and we're recording this on April 7th right now, you know, Mm -hmm. in the middle, hopefully the middle of coronavirus. Um, hopefully it's not just getting started. At yeah, hopefully 7th. it's towards the tail end of it. <laughs> yes, right. Hopefully at the tail end of coronavirus. And the reason what spurred on the show is you and I were talking and you said something very interesting on how 
there were certain days where you, you know you have you you sell in multiple countries mm-hmm. and you mentioned in some days during this event you were seeing different levels of performance than you do normally mm-hmm. uh in certain countries and i thought that was so interesting and a topic that uh you know i've managed campaigns in all different countries but from the business owner's perspective i thought it was really i thought it's going to be a really great episode as you share some of that here um so what was what was that like seeing sort of different levels of performance with coronavirus happening seeing the different countries behave almost you know independently of one another yeah great question so it's one of those things that, you know, as I was building my business, I was trying to, you know, add on little things and I just came to realize selling internationally on Amazon was one of the easiest tools I had in my toolbox because I already understood Amazon. And so I just needed to understand maybe some slight intricacies to get into that country. And then once I got up and running, it kind of became, I looked at it because I used to work in insurance. I kind of looked at it as an insurance policy on my business because I had mitigated some of my risk. And, you know, we've seen a lot of the changes um, that Amazon's been making here the last few weeks. And I get it. Um, you know, things happen outside of our control. Things happen outside of Amazon's control. And everybody's trying to adapt to it. And one of the things that's happened is if you're selling non-essential items, which a lot of private label sellers are selling things that are non-essential from at least Amazon's perspective. Maybe we view that it's something people really need. But um, from Amazon's perspective, it was non-essential. So, we're seeing things like you can't ship certain uh, products into Amazon's warehouse or where did my prime badge go? And if somebody tries to buy your product, it'll say it'll take 30 days to arrive, even if it takes only three days to arrive. So we're seeing all those things that are affecting sales. Um, on top of the fact, you know, you've got people that aren't working, that are just mm-hmm. nervous. They're not sure what to do. Whereas I think some of the same challenges are happening, like Canada and the UK and other countries and all over Europe, they're all pretty much locked down the same way we are. But Amazon didn't seem to have the same challenges with toilet paper flying off the shelves, Mm -hmm. like so to speak, as we saw here. So my Prime badges stayed on in Canada as of just yesterday when I checked it. They were still there. Um, UK, they were still there. So I think that was helping things. And I think... Um, I, th- and this is just my theory, Amazon doesn't seem to have the same challenges within those countries also with workers. So they don't seem to be, they, they have had some in some of those countries where maybe you couldn't send in certain items, but th- as far as like once the items in the warehouse, it, had, it seemed like it was no problem getting it to the customer and then customers seem to be more willing to spend um, than they were in the US. At least that was my perception. And so I was seeing, to your point, some days where I was selling more outside of the US than I was in the US, which, I mean, that's unheard of. Because right. um, during the regular time period, we'll call it, I was seeing 30 to 35% of my sales in the US I would see outside of the US. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would just looked at it the other day and in a 15 day window, it was 68% of my sales in the U S I saw an additional 68% outside of the U S. So that's, that's quite the difference there. And so that makes up for a lot of the sales that I was seeing a dip on. And so, and I was, and this is not just me, I was talking to someone else um, who he was doing about 15% of his sales in the U S he would see in Canada. 
Mm-hmm. He's, he said lately it's been about half. Mm. And so it's one of those things that, you know, for those of us who are selling in international marketplaces and everyone's story could be a little different, but it seems like there's a lot of us where we're seeing, okay, it really was beneficial to be there. And even if someone stayed steady, strong at 15% of their sales or something like that in another country, wouldn't they rather have those 15% of sales than not have them, especially if their U.S. sales are you know, dipping down whatever percentage they are, if sure. they are dipping down? So it's one of those things. It's, it truly has shown selling internationally is a great um, insurance policy. That was kind right. of a long-winded answer there to your mm-hmm. question. No, that, that was great. It's really interesting to think of it. Not only, I've never thought of it that way. Uh, I mean, it makes total sense as you explain it. Um, I, the way that I viewed it historically, and I'm sure the way that a lot of people have viewed it historically, uh, and, and maybe as you speak with people, like maybe they see it this way too. A lot of times I feel like people view going international on Amazon as almost like something you get to like later, like let Mm -hmm. me maximize my U S and then I'll worry about other countries. And then even then I'll go like, you know, a few, maybe one or two at a time. I'm like, not, not in any big rush. And do you find that that is the way that people approach going international on Amazon? And do you think that is the right approach? I mean, should people be, you know, launching both, you know, almost close to as simultaneously as they can, Hey, you're selling in the U S why not also sell in Canada and, you know, the next place and the next place, um, you know, yeah, so I'm curious on your thoughts on that, how you've seen people approach it. And if you agree with that approach. Yeah, that's a great question. And I've gotten to this debate with a lot of people on this. Now I personally, um, I had one active product and a handful that were in the pipeline when I launched into Canada and that was the first place I went. And then I went to Europe after that. And, um, as far as, you know, should you wait until longer? I know a lot of people think like, oh yeah, just maximize your sales in the U.S. Well, here's the thing. We have, we have time. You know, we, a lot of times we think of it as, you know, the time return on investment of time, but there's also the function of, you know, time's going to pass as, you know, time goes on, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So it, basically said another way, in a year from now, it's going to be a year from now. Mm-hmm. And there's going to have been 365 days, you know, between now and a year from now. And so what we can do to get the most out of those 365 days is the way I've always looked at it. And, you know, if you get, you know, 10% of your sales in another country, then that's, you're maximizing an extra 10% return on time. And oftentimes you're not necessarily even having to order more inventory. You could theoretically just have less inventory in the U S and have more and have some inventory in Canada, for example, or some inventory in the UK. So now you're selling through it faster. So that's another way to look at it there too. And then um, I can't take credit for coming up with this on my own, but in a mastermind I was in, someone recently brought this one up where he was talking about how, let's say he has three different places where he's getting about 10 to 15% of his amazon.com sales somewhere else. Now he's mitigated his risk by a third. I was like, that's genius. I never Mm -hmm. thought of it that way. And here I've been doing it all this time and so proud of myself for doing it. But he, the way he phrased it, I thought was even better is that you just created one third um, of, a, of a buffer. And then also too, if things go well 
hopefully things are continuing to go well in the long term because you know history tells us what goes down comes back up so during the upswings now you're just getting more money to return back to you that you can invest into other parts of your business uh, whether it be maybe going more aggressively on PPC or outsourcing something to someone or you know if there's another product you wanted to try out you know all those things cost money and so this additional cash flow from international I look at it, and at least in my personal history, it's what has helped me um, do some of the things I've done in my business to grow it. And so it's a, it's almost like you're putting a little bit of gas on a fire when you're selling internationally. I dig it. So it's a, it's almost like there's an opportunity cost to, of not doing it. Absolutely. And um, I think that's so. In terms of starting with some mindset and just sort of how to think about this, mm-hmm. I'm totally on board. Um, and I know that we have a lot of, we have a couple different people that listen to the show. We have solopreneurs, we have brand leaders at larger brands, mm-hmm. and we have Amazon marketing professionals. And for, you know, solopreneurs and the business leaders, I think we've made a really strong case there. For consultants, people that are helping people manage their Amazon PPC, mm. um, we're going to get into some some details about that. But if someone is just managing US PPC uh, for a client. You know, my, my sort of advice for them is we want, we, it's, important, it's incredibly important to be valuable to your customers and right. delight them. You know, a lot of clients can fall into the thinking of what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, let's say you show up with their US campaigns and you're absolutely crushing it because you listen to the show and you get all your good PPC tips, of course. Uh, and then, you know, months go by, months go by, customer might be thinking, well, what have you done for me lately? Suggesting something like this, hey, have you thought about going international? It could sort of help with all of these things that we've listed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really great way to be valuable to our clients. And I just wanted to sort of mention that uh, for anyone listening who is working with clients, this is a fantastic way for you to be valuable to your customers. So helping them raise their awareness on something like this sounds like a no brainer to me. Um, so that mindset piece and understanding why this is important, totally on board. Uh, as we get into some more specifics of doing this and sort of approaching it from uh, a PPC perspective and sort of approaching mm-hmm. it from sort of nuts and bolts perspective, when we're entering a new marketplace, you know, whether it be a, a consultant helping one of their clients think about the PPC or a brand leader going to their boss, talking to them about going international, what kinds of considerations, you know, decision-making process do you first need to evaluate when you're making this move? Gotcha. I think one of the big things to remember is that there are hurdles you have to jump through. And I think that's where a lot of times people are like, oh, whoa, that's going to be a lot of work. And then there's the mentality sometimes of, well, if I'm doing X amount of time for Amazon in the US, I'm going to be doing the same amount for another country. Right. If I'm not doing as much sales, then it's not worth it. Well, what I've come to find is really what it is, is once you jump through those hoops initially, you know, a few forms you have to fill out and adding the listings, whatever. What, you know, the other steps you have to do, I should say. After that, you just, you get yourself up and running, you get yourself launched. You tend to find it's not as difficult to manage because if you don't have as much sales, you don't have as much data. Mm-hmm. So you're not having to go in and check on it as often. 
Um, and so the thing I would say to consider is if, and this is probably something that would be especially um, for, I guess solopreneurs and brand owners could uh, relate to this. If you're not offering your product in another international marketplace and similar products are selling there, someone as we're talking here is going on amazon.ca or .co.uk or some other marketplace. They're typing in a keyword, looking for the product. They would have bought your product, but they didn't. They bought your competitor because your competitor did the, the steps to get up and running. So your competitor is stealing your potential sales yeah. because you're not there is one way to look at it. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I find when people realize like, okay, it's not all that hard to do. And once they get up and running, it's not that hard to manage. Mm -hmm. And because you already have learned Amazon. And so oftentimes what people will do is they'll say, well, you know, I need to mitigate my risk. I'm gonna go figure out Walmart. I'm gonna go figure out how to run traffic to my Shopify store. Those are completely different animals, different rules, mm -hmm. different ways of, you know, how things work. You know, in Seller Central, it truly is a drop down to take you from one country to another. And for the most part, the only real difference is the money symbols different. Mm -hmm. And you know, speaking about that, um, as you know, you as the owner of the brand, how are you thinking about money in those different areas in the sense of, you know, how, how are you determining your target a costs? Did you have different target a costs for different marketplaces? Um, uh, would you make that recommendation? Uh, did you experience different CPCs and all, and, and sort of starting with that, that King metric, ACOS, you know, did things like shipping internationally, you know, tariffs, you know, VAT, things mm -hmm. like that, that we don't have in the US, did those factor in to ACOS for you? Great question. And so really what it comes down to is you got to know your margins. And so mm -hmm. your margins are going to be a little bit different in one country than they will be to the other. So just to use the example of, you know, our two friends that also speak English, Canada and the UK. Yeah. So Canada operates very similarly to the US in the sense that they add sales tax on top. And now there it's called GST, HST, goods and services tax and harmonized sales tax. And basically for most people, what they're going to be doing is filing once a year to the federal government which makes it actually pretty simple. And it's added on top of the selling price. So basically you're just taking money that the Amazon gives you from the customer and then it doesn't affect your margins. You're just mm -hmm. giving it off. And the nice thing there too is there's some things that you're gonna have to pay at the board. You are gonna have to pay some duties and things like that. But one of the duties you pay is GST and that's basically their sales tax and you're paying sales tax at the border. Um, and then there's a couple other things you pay GST on over the course of selling in Canada. And basically, whatever you collect from customers, you subtract and then you pay the rest to the Canadian government. So that means really your customer is paying for some of those other costs. Mm -hmm. So it makes things a lot simpler because there's, you're not including sales tax in the price. Now, when we go into the UK, it's different. So to use a US analogy, let's say you're at a stadium and you're buying a beer and the person says it's $12. You give them a 20. How much are they giving you back? 
$8 because they want to keep it very simple. Mm -hmm. So that's $12 is just really $12, but it's not really $12. It's whatever you would have paid if you're at the grocery store and then you add on the sales tax and then it equaled out to $12. That's what it is. Well, in the UK, everything operates that like that. So you could get a scary bill in the end and come to realize you owe the UK government a lot of money if you didn't account for VAT. And there's a couple different ways you can think about it. So to use the example of if something is, let's say, 12 pounds, their version of you know currency, because you do have to remember every country has its own currency. So really what it is, is if you're selling something for 12 pounds, you're really selling it for 10 pounds plus two pounds of VAT because their VAT is 20%. Now, somebody might think, wait, the math seems weird. Really, your selling price is 120%. So mm-hmm. it's one sixth of, the, of what your advertised price is, is for VAT. Now you get credits and things of that nature, kind of like with Canada, you pay stuff at the border and you can subtract that out. But one of the things I like to do to keep it simple is, disclaimer, I'm not a tax professional, so talk to a tax professional, but there's something there that a lot of people would be potentially eligible for called the flat rate scheme. And if you're an online retailer, you don't have to worry about credits. You just pay seven and a half percent of your sales. And actually for the first year that you're on the flat rate scheme, it's six and a half percent. But just talk to a tax professional and make sure you do it of right. Course. Because you could, that's, that's an easy one to mess up. But on the back end, it makes filings and keeping track of it much simpler. So you, the big thing there is with your margins, know your margins to your point, know what's going, what you're paying at the border that might be a little bit extra, know what people are willing to pay in countries. Canada, people are willing to pay a little bit extra because the big cities in Canada are expensive. And when people live out in the boondocks, they might be an hour away from a general store mm-hmm. with like a thousand products. So yeah. for Amazon to just bring stuff to them is a godsend. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the UK, it's not quite that way. Uh, I, I have a, a quick follow-up question, um, sure. which is, does Amazon provide any guidance, you know, going through that process for people listening and they're going to, you know, start the process on going, going to Canada and the UK, uh, English speaking countries, people starting that process, does Amazon provide any guidance or, or how did you learn all these things? Yeah, that's a great question. So Amazon has a lot of great guidance. You do have to kind of, um, you have to spend a lot of time and energy doing it. And I think what prevents a lot of people from taking the time to do it is just because you do have to spend a little bit of time researching it. But right. when you find Amazon does have good guidance that you can find to be pretty reliable. And I think even more so when you go into the UK, because everyone's so afraid of the word VAT. Well, they actually have, and it's, it's kind of hard to find. We'll see if I can find the link and send it to you if you want to include it in the show notes, where it's the accounting firm KPMG, like one of the big four accounting firms, they have, I think they call it a VAT interview. And so you describe your situation, like or what country are you located in? Are you in an EU country or outside the EU? Where are you um, storing goods? Where are you importing into? Um, where are your sales above certain numbers in certain countries? And then it tells you where you would need to be VAT registered. Um, so you can kind of get a sense of, you know, in that regard, what you need to be registered there. Um, so Amazon does have some tools and resources. Um, and I, I think if you're willing to spend the time, and I've got some other resources I can help people with as well, but the, the gist of it is 
the information's out there. And one of the things that people oftentimes don't want to do is, you know, I'm holding up a phone here, pick up the phone, call the Canadian revenue agency or um, the HMRC, which is like the IRS of uh, the UK and just ask questions. They're Mm -hmm. there to help you. They're, they're not going to yell at you. They're actually really nice. And you know they'll 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 help answer your basic questions. Yes, of what you that's, need to do. That's awesome. I'm I'm reminded of a story of a question that I see all the time. Beginning business people make uh, that are you know starting a company. A common mm-hmm. question that people ask all the time is like, should I be an LLC? Should I be an S corp? Should I be a C corp? Like, what's the difference between all these things? Right. And like, yeah, at first it's like, wow, like so many options, but after like you need to know all these things anyway and then afterwards you're you never have that question again right and it's like a little upfront work but like now if somebody asks that it's like pretty instant that like you know the answer for them or like you're able to ask like two questions and figure it out for them um so that makes total sense to me um also as you were talking uh i was i had this idea to, cause we have a target a cost calculator for people where they punch in their, mm-hmm. their product cost, their, uh, you know, all these different numbers to land on a target a cost that they'd like okay. in their PPC campaigns. And I feel like it would be worth it to have a target a cost calculator that potentially factored in some of these potentially extra tariffs duties mm-hmm. that people might have to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, pretty interesting calculations. Um, and when I make that, I'll definitely pass it your way too. Oh, the, please do. For the once over. Yeah, that see, really good. see if all things are included in there. Um, so when you are, when you like to take a campaign from one country to the next, uh, how do you sort of, up, how are you thinking about PPC as a cost center, as a revenue center, um, and strategizing to make that as efficient as possible. Yeah. One of the things to consider is, you know, each country is its own thing. So mm-hmm. in seller central, there's a drop down to switch between countries. So you're not managing campaigns in the same campaign manager. They all kind of have their own, own campaign manager. Customers are going to a different domain, amazon.ca or to amazon.de or amazon.com.mx or wherever they're going. You know, they're going to their own country and they're getting their own prime um, shipping and they're getting their own uh, currency by buying in their own country. So Amazon's really got them going into their own country, looking in their own world, so to speak. And so the competition dynamics are different and, you know, everything is, is just different in each country. Um, and so what I like to do is to start off with is in that country to test those waters out. I'll run, you know, an auto campaign. And then if it's a product that I'm selling in the U.S., which I always start in the U.S. and then go into another country. But if it's a product that I'm selling in the U.S. and it's an English-speaking marketplace, I'll take from like a, you know, a, a bulk upload report or some you know, search term report or some report will get the search terms that either are working or I might just try all of them um, and then test them out in that country. And then what I'll also do over time is start taking the auto keywords that are getting uh, sales and putting them into the manual campaigns, just like you do in the US, but you start finding 
depending on your product and more so in Europe than you would see in Canada, people sometimes use different words to describe. And so sometimes their intent is a little different with certain words as well. So you got to be aware of that. And then you could also do, um, and this tends to work a little bit better in Europe. And you can also do this with um, foreign language marketplaces as well, where you take, let's say, whatever your favorite um, reverse ASIN tool is. Mm -hmm. So you just look up, you know, whether it's, you know, Sonar by Celix or uh, Helium 10 or whatever you like to use, you look up similar products to yours, see what keywords they're ranking for, and then you take those and those could either be, um, you know, their own campaign or you just add them with your existing campaigns or however you like to manage that. But I would suggest those starting a little bit lower, especially in foreign language marketplaces because mm -hmm. you may not, unless you fluently speak German, you're not going to get all the gist of what all those words are, even if you try to translate them in Google Translate. Right. A um, lot of good tips right there. Um, and then in terms of, so I have my own approach on, mm -hmm. as to how my time gets split between managing, you know, other country PPC mm -hmm. campaigns. And I'm curious if you, how you like to think about that, like once it's up and running, how do you like to split your time between managing your campaigns in all these different countries? Um, because I'll tell you what a lot of people do is, you know, their Canada PPC probably has cobwebs and like they don't even right. know what's going on in there and they just sort of set it and they spend all, they spend 99.9% .9 of their time in the U.S., um, maybe 99.999% in the U.S. Right. and don't even think about these other countries. Um, how do you, what, is, what have you found that's helpful for you uh, to sort of navigate that? Yeah, great question. So the way I like to look at it is at the end of the day, you really have for most reports in Amazon about a two month window to look at. So if you're optimizing, let's say I just once every two months, I go in and I check um, Canada and that probably might be proportional to if I was checking the US once a week, for example. Because you're talking about an eight, nine week window versus a one week window. So if you're getting about 10%, 10 to 15% of the sales, the math is about similar. Mm -hmm. So I would say just look at it and you don't have to go through it as fine tooth either. Because, you know, if you think about it in the US, if you eke out another, you know, point or two, that's a lot more than in Canada if you eked out a point or two. So it is, it's one of those things like you don't want to go crazy on, you know, time, but at the same time too, you don't want to all of a sudden look at a report and be like, oh my gosh, how am I, how am I getting so many impressions for this word, which is just eating into clicks. No one's buying. Yep. And if I had just spent the time, I would have caught that. And I've, I've been caught with my proverbial pants down before right. on something like that <laughs> where I didn't check as often as maybe I should have. And all of a sudden, I regret and I think about relation to what I could have bought maybe with that money or invested with that money, um, what it could have been. But I would say overall, the risk is pretty low, especially once you get up and running that there's usually not huge algorithmic changes in these other countries and there's not people coming in and like all of a sudden you got 20 new competitors the next day. It, it generally tends to be one of those things where you don't have to go as often, but you still should go in and check your campaigns because you could be 
and I've been in that situation, regretting it later. Right. For, I can, for sure. It, it's like a PPC campaign is like a ship. Uh, and if you veer off course, if the winds, you know, you, you can catch it right away or it can completely veer off, veer mm-hmm. off course. Um, so that's awesome. I always like to look at things like very as quantitative as I can. So it's like, well, if you're spending, you know, 25% of your budget in Canada, then it'll probably only deserves 25% of your attention of what you're mm-hmm. doing in the U S. Um, so this is awesome. I think I have some really good takeaways. Number one, like, should you be selling internationally? Absolutely. Uh, it seems like such an opportunity cost if you're not to have every right. day go by where you could, you could have had an extra 10, 15% of sales in normal times and potentially in crisis times, your risk is mitigated. I thought that was a really interesting, interesting point. Um, you know, a quick follow on on that. And I don't know if you've given this any thought or, or if you know anything about this, but if someone's listening to this in like mid April and like we're experiencing coronavirus right now, is there, do you think there's any hope for them to start selling in Canada throughout this entire crazy thing that's happening? Well, right now, Canada, as we're recording this, because I, I literally, I have a service where I do basically get people launched. Oh, and cool. I just had someone reach out to me like, hey, what's going on with that? And I've, right now, the Canadian Revenue Agency seems to have moved some of their resources internally right. to, like, I think they have their own stimulus package like we have in the US. Mm-hmm. So I think they're focusing a lot of their effort on that. Right. And so it seems like they've pushed back some of that. But with that being said, they are very strict on with like registrations, for example, first in, first out. So even if they're not responding right now, if you at least fax, and I've had this happen before, where we fax it in, we've got, because they actually use faxes there, um, we fax it in and um, they're like, you know, three weeks later say that they don't have it, but they'll give us the date that we sent it in if we could prove with the fax confirmation Right. And they're pretty good about that. So I would say get in, save your facts, confirmation. Um, and, you know, if you don't have facts, you can go, you know, myfacts.com, efacts.com. Right. There's plenty. Some of them even give you like a free trial week or cool. something. And so just do it to get the paperwork in. Um, so I would say at least get in line because, you know, time's going to pass no matter what, like I was saying before. So, you know, if it takes four to six weeks from the time they start working on it to get registered, let's just say, well, it's better to start that process now, even if they're paused than to wait later on. But then they've had all these other applications come through Mm -hmm. and now you're farther back in the line. So I would say if you have time and you're watching Netflix, you could be using that time for something that could be a fairly easy win um, for your business. Yes. Couldn't agree more. You know, I use the analogy, like if you can go one mile an hour faster right now, it'll pay Mm -hmm. off so much because coronavirus will eventually be a thing of the past. And like, we want to be moving as fast as we possibly can Mm -hmm. once it's over. Um, And it's true too. I mean, even, even the U S is experiencing the same thing. Uh, We recently hired someone in uh, Michigan and like you need to apply for unemployment assurance in everywhere Mm. you hire someone. And our application is just sitting there um, and like, it's good. Like we have documentation, like, Hey, we applied on this date. Like our application is pending. It's probably not going to be moving as fast as it normally does. Um, mm-hmm. But still like we still did it. So 
that's good to hear. So definitely make that move. Uh, if you are working with clients, this seems like a really nice value add to suggest to them to let them know mm -hmm. that you have their best interests in, in mind. Um, definitely factor in and take some time. And it seems like it's not even that difficult. You know, you don't have to become an international tax, you know, expert. It seems like after a few hours understanding GST, VAT, people can be get you know, pretty competent at navigating Amazon mm -hmm. uh, and how to handle that. And some considerations, you know, use reverse ASINs to get some international keyword insight, uh, all good stuff, you know, in terms of like how to allocate time towards those things all seems to make total sense. Um, did I, did I miss anything? I, I, I feel like that's, that's a lot of value packed in there. Yeah, it, it is a lot. I know people just, we kind of threw a fire hose at them and it was a lot of what we're talking about really is more kind of the tactical of why do it. And mm -hmm. then on the back end, how to manage the PPC part of it. If you're okay with it, um, I have, if someone were to go to maximizingecommerce.com forward slash badger, um, they can download a free checklist where Perfect. I will walk them through the steps of how they can create their own little international empire. And then, you know, the way I look at it is for me, it's been one of those things where, you know, I started in Canada, I went to Europe, um, from Europe, I went in, or sorry, I should say to the UK. Then from the UK, I went into the rest of Europe and then I'm now in also Japan and Australia, which Australia I look at as more of a long-term play. It's still developmenting or developmental, uh, uh, mm -hmm marketplace but eventually it'll get there and so you don't have to do everything all at once but just start in one country and then go to the next one and go to the next one and it's a it could be a very good return on your time relative to other things you might do to grow your business you know since meeting you, you you've been a giving person and i think that's awesome uh so if you listen to this episode and you liked what kevin had to say and go for it like start start a conversation with them uh and get international um, with all that said, thank you so much, Kevin. People can find you at the Maximizing E-Commerce podcast and at Maximizing E-Commerce slash Badger. Thanks for putting... MaximizingEcommerce.com forward slash Badger. Thank you so much yes. for that. And uh, until next time, everyone, I'll see you inside the Badger Den. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks.